Welcome to Liminal Theology, a podcast exploring boundaries, transitions, and being in between. I'm your host, Jonathan Best, and join me as we journey into liminal space. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Lisa R. Withrow to the show today. Lisa is an International Coaching Federation Certified Leadership Coach and an accredited team coach and consultant with expertise in conflict management, leadership formation, and development. She has a PhD in leadership studies and certificates in executive leadership, change leadership, and high-performance leadership, all from Cornell University. In addition, Lisa has a doctorate from the University of Glasgow, Scotland, a Master of Divinity degree from Duke Divinity School, and a bachelor's degree from Bucknell University. Previously, she served as the academic dean at Methodist Theological School in Ohio. Lisa is an independent scholar with 20 years of teaching and administrative leadership in the academy. She's the founder and principal of Clear Transition Strategies, an author of six books, and a contributor to leadership journals. Her latest books are Leadership in Unknown Waters, Liminality as a Threshold into the Future, published by Lutterworth Press in 2020, and a co-author of Crossing Thresholds, a Practical Theology of Liminality, due in 2021. Welcome to the show, Lisa. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Lisa and I are colleagues, and with the Guild of Engaged Liminality, we've been conversing and talking about liminality for, for over a year now, and it's a pleasure to finally have you on the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My favorite topic, liminality. I've been looking forward to kind of picking your brain about liminality and go further into our conversations together and uh, really just learn from you. Um, You've been doing this a lot longer than I have in terms of this uh, liminal studies and you just had the book published. So I'm really excited to learn from your experience and go a little bit further into uh, this amazing venture into liminality. Thank you. First, uh, I'd like to always start with kind of gauging and looking at your background Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of seeing where you came from. So I'd like if you could tell me a little bit about your journey. Uh, When did you first become interested in liminality and and what captivated you to incorporate liminality into your research and your writings and and your professional life? I... Uh, when I moved to Scotland, I was serving a church in Glasgow as well as working on my PhD there. And I found myself wandering around in the countryside a lot because I was a foreigner and I wanted to see what this place was about. And I took walks, I took walks with various groups and by myself. And I began to notice that I was feeling um, what the Scots call thin places. Thin places are are spaces where um, one can feel the the ground or the water and also a sense that there's something else going on that we can't see. So I got very fascinated by thin spaces or thin places. And then finally, um, over the years, as I was thinking about these things and reading about these things, I came across the term liminality. And since that time, I've, I've researched how liminality became a term through anthropology and began writing and thinking about that in terms of leadership. Because really, we all live in, in liminal spaces and times, and the whole globe is right now as we live 
in these times of COVID-19. So at first it was a feeling in my 20s and then it became a sort of a way of expressing myself and then it became a theological and research engagement after that in my 40s. I love how you talk about liminality as something that you experienced first. Mm-hmm. Often theologians and thinkers like to you know, start with ideas and then they all kind of filter down, trickle down. But I really think, I find it amazing that this is an organic experience. It's something that came from uh, a practical aspect, a practical feeling that you were experiencing in Scotland. How do you describe liminality to to others? Is it something, you've mentioned kind of a religious aspect, you talked about incorporating it into your theological life, but is it is liminality something strictly religious or spiritual? Is it does it connect to culture, society, everyday life? Yeah. Um, how about uh, just I would just like to explore what your feeling is about what liminality is and does, and how the how we experience well, it. Well, liminality, as as you know, because we've talked about it, is simply a, a threshold between what was, what has come before, and what is emerging in the future. And it's the space where we let go of something we no longer need or a belief that we no longer need. And, and we move into some chaos normally, and then we allow to emerge what the future is bringing. That's, that's an ideal journey through liminal space. But we also know that liminal space can be thrust upon us through disaster, earthquakes, um, house burning down, uh, a death, and COVID-19, you know, plagues, things like that. And that thrusts us into a space where we kind of don't know what to do. We're, we're in a shock or we're, we don't know where to turn for safety or for the next steps. And that's the time um, that, I, that I think we really turn to neighbor, turn to companions to help find our way through this unknown that has been thrust upon us until something else comes along that we can grasp and hang on to. So I wouldn't say it's just religious. I think everybody in the world goes through it. I think creatures go through it as they grow. Um, it's, it's part of the journey of life. For, for those of us in who are religious thinkers or at least spiritual thinkers, it takes on a a different kind of meaning because the way we make meaning in this in-between space, in this liminal space has um, a spiritual questioning to it about identity, um, about how we relate to the world and perhaps a higher power, a source of life and how we relate to neighbor and, and what our values are based on that. So, but it's, it's not just a religious phenomenon. It's, it's something that is upon us off and on throughout life. You mentioned liminality as something that is thrust upon us of, of, of an unexpected event. And on the one hand, that makes liminality kind of a scary thing to think about, uh, that, that at any moment, any day, 
we could be thrust into a liminal experience, um, moved into a point of uncertainty. So on that side of it, liminality sounds something to be wary of. Is there a way to prepare for liminal experiences? Is there a, is there a, is there a state of mind uh, that we put ourselves in that helps us deal with transitions, deal with the unexpected? Is liminality essentially a way to help us understand transition and being in an unexpected place, a situation? Or is it really just something we, we can't really prepare for in any way, shape, or form? It's just a part of life. We can't predict what is thrown at us, obviously, but we can have a particular mindset that that we can draw on should we find ourselves in difficulty or if we choose liminal space, like leaving a job or getting married or, or having children, um, moving countries, these kinds of things. And I, I would say that one of the main characteristics of living well in transition time is to create in the mind a sense of adventure, even if things are fearful. It's normal to be afraid, but the sense of adventure, a sense of curiosity helps us walk through the fear rather than try to block everything to keep ourselves safe. We find in, in lots of countries right now, including our own, a, a real sense of denial and a sense of trying to keep things in a box and label and stereotype and all the things that keep us, we think, keep us safe, when in fact they don't. They lead to polarization, which makes life more dangerous. So adopting curiosity and a, a sense of adventure keeps us um, able to have a resilience in the midst of chaos, whether thrust upon us or by choice. And that way we're, we're more ready to be in transition space. Um, I can't tell you how many people who, have, are, who are newly married, for example, suddenly realize, oh, this is harder than I thought. And you're smiling. I don't know if you've gone through that, but this is harder than I thought. Or with a new child, this is really, really tough. And I was romanticizing it a little bit and here I am. So the curiosity and resilience has to be there to, to move through the transition until we form our new habits and our new ways of being. So liminality is also something that is also associated with good things, marriage yeah. and yeah. having children, starting a new job, taking those steps in life that help us to grow. You know, there's often a, sometimes I think a idea of liminality being, you know, the, the unexpected disaster, but there's also a bit of uh, uncertainty and transition, uh, as I well know, in both marriage and, and children. And, and uh, there's this kind of searching and coming out of that end of uh, that liminal experience, uh, a, a very different person and, and hopefully a better person. So I like what you're saying about liminality and this connection to curiosity and openness. It connects to a lot of things that I've been looking at regarding liminality. So in a sense, liminality is something that perhaps we should seek out because there are aspects of liminality, this openness, the curiosity 
that helps us to grow as people, correct? Yeah, I if, if we foster a sense of adventure, then we automatically foster a sense of looking at the world or experiencing the world and all its diversity and differences with some sense of joy and, and excitement rather than fear or maybe in addition to fear. But there's always a, a question, what, what's next? What's around the next corner? What will this do in my life? What will this do in our lives as a community? And in addition to the curiosity and adventure, if we're seeking out liminality, which I'm, I'm not sure we do really, we might seek change. But if liminality is part of that process, then we get freed up to experiment. I love experiments. I really do. And I like adventure too. I love experiments and I love it when people are free enough in their spirits to experiment and not be afraid of failure. So being in liminal space in the, in the transition space is the experimental space and what doesn't work teaches us just like scientists know um, they have to experiment to get to the right solution, like with vaccines at this point. Um, and if, if scientists, this doesn't always happen, but if scientists share their failures, then there's a whole body of knowledge and the work is not repeated and they get faster to a solution. Same thing with all of us in liminal space. If we can experiment, fail, learn and keep going until we arrive where we need to be in our new space or new identity. We're in good shape. I want to come back to something you were alluding to earlier, a sense of community with liminality. I'm guessing that this is not all just a individualized experience that for liminality to be transforming for there to be a, in result or at least some aspect of growth from liminality, there has to be some support along the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think any of us can survive without some kind of connection. And even people who choose to live alone and off the grid are connecting at least to nature or relationships to animals, something. Um, but most of us aren't that extreme and we, we need a sense of being in an experience together with whomever we choose, or maybe if there is a disaster, for example, that is thrust upon us, that there are a whole bunch of people in support roles or maybe in just the same boat who, who know what the other is feeling. Um, we're, we're built to be connected. We're not built to be isolated. And even if something horrible happened to me, I would want to reach out and make sure that I have support so I can navigate those waters well enough to survive and hopefully thrive in time. Now I'm going to connect to something you just said. You mentioned water. And I know in your work, water plays a important role, especially in your last book, um, your latest book. You talk a lot about the symbolism, the spiritual aspects of water, and really a, something that kind of ties that spiritual experience, that liminal experience together. 
Could you share a little bit more about the power of the symbol of water and its connection to liminality, to spirituality, to, to life? Well, the title of the book has water in it, Leadership in Unknown Waters. Water's been a metaphor for me for most of my life. That's when I'm near big bodies of water, I'm pretty happy. Um, it seems to me that, that water as a metaphor works really well for liminal space because water is the element that can take primarily three different forms. And I talk about this as a metaphor throughout the book on leadership. The first form, obviously, that we, we know is water flowing, water in its temperate self. But water also can be fast flowing, slow flowing, or pretty stagnant. And so when it's in its melted form, its liquid form, um, how it moves depends on the terrain around it. So it's dependent on the terrain around it. And navigating these waters um, requires us to keep our head above the water to look around and see how things are, are coming upon us and what the strongholds or footholds are when say we're submerged in the water in liminal space in those times when, when things are moving and we don't have total control over them. The other two facets of water are ice and steam or um, really vapor. Steam is something we can't see. Vapor is the, the, the water we see when we boil it. So ice is, is deceptive. It moves, but it looks like it's solid and um, it still can melt and be pliable, but it takes a stance. Even an iceberg in water is moving, but it has substance to it, it has shape to it. So there are times in liminal space and as leaders where we need to take a stance. We go, we're flowing, but we're flowing more slowly and we have shape and, um, perhaps a sense of, of commitment to a particular way of thinking or decision-making. And then the steam, the vapor and the steam, that's the most, um, that's the biggest flowing that can happen with the water element. And so it disperses tremendously and fairly quickly. So it's not contained like the, the liquid or certainly the ice. And that's the metaphor I use for ideas that are getting disseminated and becoming widely known and sort of the action of, of water that moves out beyond ourselves. So these are the three facets of water um, that, I, that I play with in the book around how we are as leaders in the midst of unknown and liminal space. Is each liminal journey different that some are encountering rough waters and others are kind of flowing through a more slow paced or are kind of ground to a halt and, and say in ice uh, while others may be uh, the experience of liminality may be something hard to grasp or see 
perhaps is steam or water vapor, uh, or does that journey, you know, kind of change through time that, you know, we're, we're rushing as a, a river rapids at one point, and then all of a sudden everything grounds to a halt. Uh, is the liminal journey varied? Uh, and do we encounter, I guess, different aspects of this water throughout that journey? Yeah, um, absolutely. It is varied. And each, each time we're either thrust or choose to be in liminal space, the context is different. Water, as people know, never stays in the same place for very long, even in a stagnant pond, it evaporates or it sinks into the ground. Um, so there's always some kind of movement and the context, the conditions around water determine how it acts. And so um, the conditions around which we are functioning in this in-between space will determine how we are to act as leaders, as people, um, hopefully we're not just reaction, reacting to our surroundings. We're not just going with the flow. We are taking a look around and noticing what's around us so that we can respond appropriately. But absolutely, conditions will change. The, the metaphor changes with the conditions that change. And likewise, any liminal journey depends on the context you write about leadership. Can you specify what kind of leadership you're talking about? Is this uh, religious le leadership, spiritual leadership, or more, and say, in the corporate world or political world leadership? And does what is required for helping others and navigating change based on context? Is the liminal experience different in the religious setting rather than the secular setting? I think the conditions are different. I don't know if the liminal movement is different. In the religious setting, um, formal religion, I should say, there is a religious ritual, which is um, what anthropologists have studied for a long time, how ritual is a necessary part of change of identity. We have secular rituals like graduations, again, marriage, um, retirements, these kinds of things. Um, in the religious world, we have the baptisms for, for Christians, um, cleansing rituals in almost every religious tradition. So it's, it's um, Liminal space is always this in-between space and usually with a change of meaning and or identity, but the rituals and the context change depending on, on the, the housing or the placement of where this liminal space occurs. In terms of leadership, I think there are some universal qualities to really good leaders. And those qualities take other human beings and networks very seriously. And with a sense of um, teamwork and sometimes leaders have to make quick decisions, top down decisions that's necessary, especially in emergency. But generally the best leaders take into account a lot of voices before those decisions are made, whether in the corporate world, in the religious world, even in a household. Um, 
there's there's a sense of gathering information from all around and especially in crisis you know how do we how do we talk about our stakeholders in the business world how do we talk about the people we're trying to serve both in the business world and the religious world and what's our context right now are all questions that all leaders need to be asking in liminal space so there's there's connection but context can differ what inspires you to write about leadership? What drew you to explore leadership and to speak and write for leaders? Did you were you first interested in leadership, and then uh, liminality kind of came along with that, or uh, did the kind of the two ideas, liminality and leadership, and did that kind of mesh together? I was, I started out um, perhaps in college, I started out as a biology and political science major, and I was interested in how um, environmental biology and how politics influenced environmental decision-making. And that was a long, long time ago. And of course that's now a huge issue for us on the planet, or at least we've noticed finally in the US what a big issue that um, kind of connection is. But I also noticed that women in particular in leadership were treated differently and also operating differently. And that's, that's what piqued my interest, women in leadership. And at the same time that I was developing this interest, which led to the PhD work, I was in Scotland experiencing thin places. So I, I kind of, I didn't put those two together right away. The leadership stuff came first, but my awareness was raised and eventually I began to put them together uh, probably 10 years later. Is liminality a rather new idea in the corporate space? At least in my experience, the term liminality has come up within corporate spaces more often than I've been accustomed to seeing it. Uh, it seemed that liminality is, was much more in kind of traditional religious spaces and academic talk. Is, is this something that is, is a rather new phenomenon? I think the terminology is. I, I don't think the concept is. Um, perhaps the religious world or the spiritual world is, is finally contributing to some vocabulary in the corporate world. But yes, I agree with you. I've noticed that even uh, in the news, um, the word liminality has come up in the last, probably the last year with COVID and um, a real sense of, of liminal space or this threshold space thrust upon everybody because COVID isn't just about um, well-being, it's about finance and it's about sectors all over the place, all the sectors and education and it's global. So we all share what's happening and we all share whatever outcomes are coming our way in the emerging future. So yes, I've noticed uh, uh, an increase, I would say, in the use of the word and sometimes I'm surprised because it seems like such a specialized world word, but it's becoming commonplace now, which makes me happy. Is leadership important for helping others navigate the liminal experience? Of course, right now we're going, still going through COVID. 
moving into a new year, a new administration. There seems to be from last year to now just so many new things to experience and to make sense of and to navigate. And it seems right at this moment, we are, we're still in the midst of all that and trying to make sense of all that. How important is leadership for these times? And what can the lack of, say, good leadership, how can that affect or hurt or harm the liminal experience that we're all sharing? Can leadership, can leadership make liminal experience a painful transition and perhaps one that is, well, there may seem not to be an end for? I currently am teaching a course with this very question in place. If leaders don't know how to be curious and adventuresome and experimental, then they, or they're afraid of it, they're going to want the people they lead, their followers, not to be that way as well. And the minute um, rigidity comes into play, by example of the leader, then there's going to be a, a poor navigation of the waters, the troubled waters of liminality. And when I hear people say, oh, I can't wait till we go back to normal, I, I already hear embedded in that, that desire or that wish, this denial that things aren't ever going to be back the way they were in the workplace, in the school place perhaps in home life, who knows. But if leaders can't, um, if, the, if leaders themselves are in denial about this transition and keep scrambling to go to regress, then they, were, they will get willing followers because that is the comfort zone. So yes, and then they will be left behind and they will wonder what happened. So there will be negative consequences. Leaders who can live by example, by leaning in to it, getting into the water, if you will, um, and saying, if we do this together, and if we pay attention to what we see emerging in the future, which is its own difficulty, you have to build some scenarios to figure that out, um, then we have a much better chance of not only surviving this, but uh, thriving. And we build a certain kind of resilience and sense of adventure that will always serve us well when we're thrust back into liminal space again, or choose it. The words you're using, openness, curiosity, uh, willingness to change, to adapt, is that the main problem with the church, you think? Uh, when I mean church, it's, it's a large body to, to talk about in general. But often in, in my experience and the many experiences of people I encounter, uh, the words openness, transition, change, adapting are not often, not often words that we associate with traditional church. Do you think that that is why the church seems to be less relevant during these times is that 
it doesn't speak to or recognize the the liminal experience that we're all sharing, that we're all engaging in. And instead of embracing that, asking questions and learning to grow and, and move through this experience and, and, and acknowledging that things are not normal and that perhaps will not be the normal that we thought was normal a year, a year and a half ago. Is that one of the major problems with the church, the religious experience, do you think? In part, um, in the United States, I'll say it, I'll say it this way, and in, in some of Europe, um, I think some of the, the issue facing the, the wider church, and I would say more traditional churches, and perhaps white churches, is um, a real sense of individualism. This is my personal experience here, and therefore I want it to be my comfort zone because the world out there is scary. So I come here for comfort and for consistency because consistency is comforting for a lot of people. Um, so I think that's one thing. It's, it's a sort of a privatized experience in the Western white world um, in the mainline. So I have all these caveats because there are so many different cultures of churches and, and ways of being church. So in the mainline white Western church, yes, I think there's something about comfort and private experience that's, that's really a downfall. Um, but there are churches too who take risks and they're, they're on the front lines and they're, they're um, pushing social justice and they're marching and they're feeding and they're doing laundry and they're inviting people to, to think about their faith in relevant different ways than say orthodoxy might. And so they're, they're in some troubled waters too because that's where all the conflict goes. When you're in liminal space and troubled waters and you're doing things that are very different from the tradition, Conflict's going to come up, and that's one way to be in liminal space, to be very conflicted. So um, I, I don't want to make a, a huge generalization about the church, but I would say with traditional white Western churches, yes, there, there is a desire not to have adventure. There's a desire to have a privatized or small group privatized experience that makes me feel good. During these times that we live in, we mentioned COVID and navigating that issue, navigating the pandemic. It's also known that we're living in very divisive times. I'm often wondering if liminality, either the acknowledgement of and the, or the embrace of liminality uh, or acceptance of perhaps is a better word, the transition, the change that we as a people are going through and the openness, the curiosity, the openness to the other that characterizes, I would think, the liminal experience. I'm wondering how you, would you characterize this time that we're in as liminal, in the aspects of social, the aspects of cultural, religious as well as we talked about is liminality a good way to frame this very difficult time that we seem to find ourselves in? 
Of course. Um, and as we look even in, in the 1900s, we can see cycles of it. Um, it seems like it's every 20 years or so we enter a new phase of, of change. And maybe I'm off a few years, but I think about the 60s and then I think about the 80s and then I think about the 2000s. And there are touchstones of stability, but we're spending more and more time um, in what I would characterize as liminal space because the, the pace of change is faster now. And a lot of that is due to technology and how we can have instant answers, instant anything. Even research is a hundred times faster, a thousand times faster because of technology. Vaccines have come out so much faster than they used to because of technology. And so, um, and, and attention too. So with the speed of change increasing, I think we're going to have shorter and shorter periods of stability and longer and longer periods of change. I would describe periods of change as mostly liminal. Um, as long as those periods of change incorporate a sense of we're leaving something behind, we're letting something go, and we're looking towards something that's emerging, and we don't know exactly what that is. Not all change is exactly like that, but I think we're going to see that as a way of, of life now, and stability is going to be the stranger more and more. The generations coming up are, are learning this. They're learning that they're gonna live in ambiguity and um, complexity for their whole lives, I think. Then how do we deal with this idea of continual change and ambiguity mentally and spiritually? You know, when we go on a journey, there's often an expectation that there is an end of the journey that perhaps there's we meet the goal that we were working toward, that we reach some endpoint or at least a place to catch our breath and take stock of you know what what we've just experienced with the ritual aspect of liminality. There's a there's a beginning point, a middle point, and then there's that point where we emerge from the ritual where where we come out at hopefully a different person. How do we deal with a a change, a transition, an ambiguity that seems to be there for most, if not all of our lives. Is there a point to catch our breath? And how does one navigate that? Were we navigating toward, you know, there's this sense of, of importance of having a navigator and having a leadership, a community that, that helps us go through troubled times, but if where we're going is, is unknown and, and we're still perpetually going, how do, we, how do we deal with that, both from a mental aspect and a spiritual aspect? How do we understand that liminal experience? As you speak, the, the word that came to mind was nomads. Um, the nomadic life 
not that we're moving our own homes, literally. I mean, I've been in my home for over 20 years now, but my life has changed significantly several times over those 20 years. And so some of the changes we encounter will be minor and some will be major, but there is something about um, the way communications and relationships and networks are, are moving these days is that we have a certain, certain, nomadic quality to the way we live. And it may simply be um, through Zoom. You know, I, I this year I have met probably a hundred new people by sitting in my house. That's, that's a really different thing that would have happened a year ago or a little more than a year ago. So it, things are getting faster, they're moving faster, but there have to be resting places. There have to be touch points where we're reflecting. We have to slow it down at some point or we will get a little crazy. We'll, get a, we'll, we'll be off balance all the time. I think we're going to have to be exceptionally intentional about the slowing down and creating the the offshore or the off out of the water, the, the shoreline where we sit for a while before we get back into the flow. And that may be the job of religious institutions to begin to be spaces where people can just get off the water for a while and, and regroup and reflect and think because the, the pace is faster and faster, we have to find a way to slow ourselves down, even in the midst of the pace. And that's a paradox that's going to be really hard to live. I want to switch gears for a bit and talk about your upcoming book going to be published this year, uh, the one you're co-authoring, Crossing Thresholds, A Practical Theology of Liminality. I'm very drawn to this idea of practical theology. That's my background. So I'm kind of interested in this connection between practical theology and the minality. And just tell me a little bit about the book and uh, what we can expect. Well, it's co-authored with Tim Carson, who's also part of our Engaged Liminality Guild, and Nigel Rooms, who was the, the project manager, if you will, for the book, and Rosie Fairhurst. Nigel and Rosie live in the UK and they're um, Anglicans and uh, Tim is a Disciples of Christ retired pastor who lives in Missouri. We each took some chapters and uh, wrote about various aspects of liminality. Nigel in particular starts the book with some theory about liminality and um, leadership. He, he draws on the Grubb Institute in the UK and some of the theories there about change and, and how we manage liminal space. Rosie talks about psychology in the book and the, the liminality, particularly objects relation, object relation psychology of how um, children navigate the world as they grow. Tim talks about various aspects of the church, um, biblical and worship pieces, um, discipling, and how liminal space is a part of how we learn in, in those various areas. And then I talk about 
the workplace and spirituality, a little bit about leadership. And, and Nigel also talks about leadership and education, how, how um, we learn we learn by being adventuresome instead of just taking the test and, and checking off the boxes. And so um, the book gets, it's heavy on theory at the beginning and then heavy on practical theology and a lot of aspects of our lives as each chapter unfolds. So you've got a lot of different voices in that book and uh, different styles, but it, it covers a lot of bases too. You've mentioned Tim Carson. We both know Tim, good friend. Tell me a little bit about the Guild of Engaged Liminality. Of course, I'm a part of that as well, but I'd like to, uh, of course, promote this uh, new community, scholars and writers and thinkers and all sorts of people that are coming together. Tell me a little bit about this uh, uh, Guild for Engaged Liminality. Well... Yours truly right here, Jonathan, and Tim Carson and I uh, were in conversation. Uh, it's been over a year now about how we can bring together people who think about liminal space, liminal time, and formed this guild as, as a space, maybe a container, where um, artists and writers and people who are thinking about liminality can come together. And we're already seeing the richness of, of such a group. It's, it's not a huge guild at this point, and that's okay. We have um, had conversation about the importance of ritual in terms of liminality by two women, one who was Jewish and converted to Christianity and the other who was Christian and converted to Judaism and how ritual has meaning in each of their lives. Fantastic conversation. We've had simple conversation about the, the background of the anthropology of liminality. We will be talking about um, art and music and resources that people are bringing coming up in less than a month. And we're, we're gonna talk about um, race and gender and how some people in our world who are non-dominant have to live threshold every single day as they navigate their home life, their worlds, and then going out into a world that is, a, that is very different than what their home life is based on culture, race, gender, sexuality, whatever it is. And so um, we have some speakers coming up who are going to talk about liminality as, as every day shifting back and forth and what that does to identity in a larger sense of the liminality. So I'm excited about this guild because the creativity level is high and also the social commentary is high and it's um, a different angle than any other guild I've been part of. It's not hyper academic, but it's academic and it's very practical at the same time. So it's wonderful to have people come from lots of walks of life who are adventuresome, like I said before, and curious and, and walking in this in-between space. It's, it's a good, good place to be. I definitely want to echo what you're saying here that the guild itself, from my experience, is a is a great way to 
explore an idea that we all share through a, a very diverse group of people from all over the world. And, and liminality itself is such a captivating idea and that I've met more people through limit studying and, and working with liminality than I have in, in anything else prior. One of the things I, I'm just impressed by with the guild but, and also just studying liminality is how much of a global experience it is and how mm -hmm. it puts you in touch with, with so many different people. And I'm frankly just enriched just by being a part of the conversation and, and being there. And I think it's important to have these places, these spaces, even if even Zoom spaces for, for doing this. And that's why I'm excited about the future of, of the Guild and of liminal studies. I'm kind of wondering what you envision the future of the study of liminality will be. What do you see the Guild and perhaps uh, others doing with liminality in 10, 20, 30 years time? Wow. I, I know that there is already writing in terms of education, mostly before college age, about how, how learning is liminal. Likewise, in the arts, how learning is liminal. And I, I have written an article on how singing and music, making music together creates liminal space as well for, for another guild. Um, 20, 30 years, it's, well, it's already becoming a household word. So that's the first piece. My hope, I don't know if it will come true, depends on the climate at the time, again, the context. My hope is that people not only know what liminal space is, but they learn to navigate it well as we continue to increase our pace of change. And, um, so the navigation of it is, is the conversation at this point in my mind, which is why I write about leadership. Um, how do we navigate rough waters? How do we navigate bumping into icebergs or, or ideas that come that we can spread or they just dissipate and, and don't go anywhere? So how, are, how um, resilient and flexible are we? And how can we make a difference to the planet, including non-human creatures? Um, because we're at choice points now, some very serious choice points. And some people fear making choices because it will mean that we have to change ourselves. Um, how can we navigate that change in a way that doesn't back people into corners too much? That's a huge question. So 20, 30 years from now, I hope, I, if I'm still alive, um, I hope that the generation in charge will be comfortable navigating these, these tough spaces and the ambiguity and also the adventure of them. That's why I think a work like yours is so critical because, I mean, we are desperately lacking leadership and in, in, in various sectors of society and culture and religion in order to build bonds and foster community and 
to have hope for the future, the willingness to tackle some of these enormous problems that are, are here. They're not just around the corner anymore. They're, they're happening now. Leadership is, is going to be so important for that and training, training capable, adaptive, open, and hopeful leaders to, so that within those 20 to 30 years that we're talking about that, well, not everything will perhaps go right, but we'll be able to deal with whatever's next um, in a more, well, in a way that resembles some sense of unity, of togetherness of, well, we always talked, we talked about COVID as the slogan in it together. And that quite, we didn't quite live up to that, but I would hope that future leadership down the line that we would truly understand in it together. Um, and I think navigating Navigating the waters is, is a scary, scary idea mm-hmm. as, a, as just an individual person. And of course, when I looked at it just individually, it's scary. As 2020 has showed us, uh, you know, the unexpected can happen. And during this time, individually, I, I'm scared. And, and I think it requires a sense of coming together to, to deal with that scariness that I think we're all kind of feeling. We're all kind of nervous, uh, anxious, and I'm an anxious person anyway. So I, I need, I need some, uh, somebody to tell me things are going to be okay. Someone sometimes, and, and for me to do that for others as well, I think we all have a chance for leadership opportunities of leadership for one another. Again, you're, the work that you're doing is, is immensely critical for times like these. And, and with that being said, I, I hope that this is something that you're continuing to pursue. Uh, do you have any other works coming up uh, on liminality, on leadership, of uh, things you want to pursue within the next, within this year and and, and the future? Two projects, um, and I'm I'm very interested in the wisdom of leadership. What do we mean by wise leaders? Um, and but there are two projects brewing one with that i think you might be involved with with tim carson as he puts another compendium together and another one where i want to explore what it's like to be in liminal space and stuck there and and it being a very difficult place to be and what do you do in the the stuckness and the difference between stuckness and dwelling in liminal space. So that I'm thinking about that with a conversation partner um, right now. So two more projects there and then um, continued teaching, always teaching future leaders what, how to be as wise as they can be with what comes our way. And I think that's something students are craving, mm-hmm. so. you know, uh, a course. Any age. Uh, Any age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. um, a talk, a conversation, a, a in-depth look at mm-hmm. liminality, at transition, at change, at dealing with ambiguity. I, I think that is something that every school, every sector, corporate sector, I think that's something that people are craving for because it's something we experience. We can feel 
the ambiguity. I, I can feel the ambiguity every day. And I think we all kind of share that same experience. So to have someone to help break that down is I think immensely helpful. I'll be doing uh, more and more workshops online along those lines um, through my, my small little business that I've just started the clear transition strategies that you mentioned before. So I will, and I always do that in a partnership um, kind of conversational style rather than my telling you how to think, mm -hmm. which isn't helpful or fruitful. So uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be online, an online presence from now on doing these kinds of workshops, even when COVID's done. Lisa, how can others learn more about your work and uh, the things that you're doing with liminality, with leadership, with clear transitions? Um, how can others connect with you? LinkedIn, <laughs> the usual, the LinkedIn uh, liminal space is the name of my blog on WordPress and um, my website, cleartransitionstrategies.com. Those are the places where I dwell and generally on Facebook, like a lot of people. Um, and also I have an email address, lrwithrow at gmail.com. So I'd be happy to have any conversations with people around leadership, around conflict, Transition, liminal space, that's that's where I live. So I'd be happy to talk. Well, Lisa, this was a, as always, when we talk, it's an excellent, rewarding, immensely fruitful conversation. I, I learn, always learn from you. And it was just a joy to talk. I definitely want to do this again. We're going to have to get Tim on here uh, to talk about... Uh, the Guild, about the new books coming out, uh, and, and maybe a couple other folks too. There's just so many good conversations happening and so many good people in this, yeah. in this field. Um, it, it's, it's too good not to share. And, but again, I, I want to thank you for this conversation. Um, mm -hmm. and, and thank you for inviting me. I, I enjoy talking with you about these things very uh, much. It was my pleasure. Well, Lisa, thank you again. And uh, till next time. My name is Jonathan Best, and this has been Liminal Theology. Learn more at liminaltheology.org.